Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Episode 42 of the Egg Chasers <laughs> Rugby Podcast. <laughs> JB is yet again ruining an introduction to the podcast. Um, Hi, Tim. But you're forgiven all sins, JB, to be perfectly honest right now, because you're here. I am. You're here. I'm Tim, and that's Phil. Hi, Tim. And the reason it's incredible that Phil is here is the, that the, the J- JB, is, JB here. is here, even. JB was, was married two days ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So incredible. You put, you, did you technically... I don't know if you deliberately did. Did you postpone your honeymoon just so you could do this podcast? Pretty much. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. It's uh, a great, great day though, wasn't it? Oh, I, was I, amazed, I was amazed that everybody, everybody in the tent stood up, clapped, and half of them wept when I made my speech. Yeah. Those uh, roses and uh, yeah. women's knickers being yeah. thrown at you. Yeah, but I, it, was, I, it, it was you crying that set us all <laughs> off, Jay. I just basically performed a comedy set. You know, that's all I did. It's all about me. It was beautiful. It was lovely. Anyway, so we're, we're here for the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast where we will be... Um, well, there's no, there's no rugby so much to speak of. We're not going to focus on the rugby that's going on. There are some World Cup qualification games and the like, but we just thought we'd do some off-season stuff. We've never done a, a rugby off-season, so we're, we're learning on the job here, but we think we've got some stuff you'll quite like, um, including some possible contenders for Phil's club to be in the fan free agency we've got a short man peewee 15 as well in fact let's start there why not let's start on the peewee 15 now this is something which was brought up a few weeks ago during the England International series and the who who threw the accusation at Carlisman that he was too small Uh, it was a a telegraph daily telegraph writer nonsense I I couldn't tell you which one it was but he rated the players and he gave Kyle Eastman 2 out of 10 which it was nonsense it was I don't know just kind of I don't know bullying bullying yeah it was it was misplaced um, nonsensical madness and said uh, accused Kyle Eastman of being too small to play top flight rugby you know if you're too small that doesn't necessarily mean you're out of position. I mean, the two things aren't really correlated. Yeah. If he was being run over, over and over again, well, then he we, is too small. Yeah. But that isn't but the situation. that didn't happen, yeah. Exactly. And he had uh, Nonu and Fetikoa running at him, and he made his tackles. Yep. And I thought he, he, got, racing, he got other stuff wrong, and he was out of position, and, and that, that kind of stuff that we've already discussed. But yeah, to, to say he was too small, it's just, it's not right. And it's this kind of argument that should have been left back in the 90s when Neil Back emerged. Because, that, that, wow. you know, he was, he was the, he broke the mould of open side flankers and led the way for a lot of people who followed and now you look at the shape of open side flankers and Neil Back was kind of responsible for yeah, that yeah, well yeah, the we did pass that round on our, because obviously before we do this you know, we have a little whatsapp group and we do say that and I looked at Neil Back Neil Back was 5'11 I, I've got him down as 5'10 on here but I've I've met him in real life and he's not a big guy is he wearing platforms 
Uh, Didn't you leave him outside a club or something? Yeah, we, we have mentioned that oh, story. Oh yeah, we have mentioned that story. You before. promised you'd get him into yeah. something Neil, when, when, when the bouncers or whatever it was some, didn't recognise him. It was G- German markets in Leeds about, about six years ago. Uh, when he was coaching with Andy K in in the Leeds setup. Yeah, when he when he was at Leeds, you promised him you'd go and sort it out and get him in. Yeah, and <laughs> I was so drunk that I wandered off and and left him there. But uh, two of my friends were also queuing up outside. Um, and they said he waited for 10, 15 minutes at the at the, at, oh, at the door God. for me to come back with a, a bouncer who knew rugby. Oh. And then after 10 or 15 minutes, just walked, slowly walked to the back of the queue and <laughs> accepted oh, his no! fate. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Neil. Welcome. And, and in Neil, spite but... of that, he we know that he still listens to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast because oh, yeah, he, he tweets us. Yeah. Oh, whoops. So he, oh, <laughs> Neil. We, yeah, we do like Neil back. He's definitely our favourite World Cup winning seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well... But I thought we left this argument in the 90s. So yes, just, just to prove agreed. that point, we're going to shove it back down that Telegraph journalist's in inverted commas throat uh, and sure prove to him <laughs> that there are some fine peewee rugby players. Uh, small man 15. Yeah. Okay. Shall we go with number one? Because I'm sure we've all got the same number one. Yes. Yes. Should we say it at the same time? One, two, three. Thomas, Thomas Domingo. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Uh, five foot eight. I've got him down. Yeah. Five foot eight, 110 kg. Yeah. And a big a- man. An exceptional uh, scrimmager as well, technical scrimmager. Yeah. Mm. I've also got Adrian Olan, Olian. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, I'm no. not sure how it's spelled. Um, I'll spell it. Oh Christ! What's that happened then? <laughs> Just fell <laughs> off my chair. <laughs> Literally fell off my chair. He plays for Claremont, um, or used to. And it's spelled O L E O N, and he's about uh, five eight, five nine as well. And yeah, they they both play at Claremont, which is amazing. But they're the same wide, right? Same same uh, weight. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, uh, oh, I think I think they reckoned. Well, it worked for Domingo. We'll get a few other short guys. See, tight see. heads. Tight heads even harder to find small guys, isn't it? Uh, uh, I've got one. Go on. I, I, I thought Nicola Mass was was quite short. But yeah, he's, he's he's five eleven. So yeah, no, he's quite but, short for international props even. Uh, yeah, but um, Chris Budgeon. Chris is, Budgeon is the, the one. Yeah, who's and. Uh, Thomas Domingo, five eight or five nine, hundred ten kg. Chris Budgeon, hundred and thirty. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He was an amazing bloke as well. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. He was a, an army boy, wasn't he? New Zealand army boy. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah. And came across and played for Exeter for no what, Northampton what? first. Uh, well, sorry. Yeah, Northampton and then then Exeter. Yeah. Uh, who have you got a hook? Can I just say before we start this? I don't. I have never. I didn't manage to find out what uh, position he played because it was so long ago. But I, d- I, have, I do know, as far as I know, the shortest man to play international rugby, uh, Jacques Farou. Yeah, uh, it's played the scrum half. Five foot four. Uh, five I've got five foot three. Oh, there you uh, go. On his, his Wikipedia, it's five foot f- oh, three. Well, well, if you know what position he is, I've probably, ru- I've probably ruined your... Uh... <laughs> I've got loads of other scrum halves. All right, so anyway, hooker. <laughs> uh, go on. <laughs> I, there is a shorter hooker, but I've gone with this guy because I like him more. Uh, I've gone for Lee Mears. Oh, brilliant. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, how, how, how tall is Liam is? He's down as 5'9", but I saw it as 5'8", somewhere. So yeah. he, about that. Well, my guy is 5'9". Who's that? Uh, and he was described in a final as 5'5", by 5'5". By <laughs> <laughs> and the he, cubic rugby player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see if you can guess who he is. He is of Polynesian descent. Okay. And, oh, oh Tony Liotta. Yes, Trevor Liotta. <laughs> yes, I'd forgotten about him. He was famously oh, wow. assigned a round-the-clock minder by Wasps management in order that he could be prevented from indulging in his passion for buckets of KFC. <laughs> that is not just a Wikipedia <laughs> fact, that's actually referenced in the Evening Standard. Wow. <laughs> so, beat that. 
That's his last special. That will stick him in. Yeah, definitely. Second rose then. Now this is the surely this is the most difficult. I mean, there's a really weird one floating around from uh, from Ospreys. Have you seen this guy? No. I've deleted his name because I've never really heard of him. But he's listed as a six foot. And six foot dead. Six foot. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, if you look him up, uh, uh, you'll you, you'll find. We're talking about a school rugby team. No, no. <laughs> there's a picture of him in his Osprey stash, and he looks big. And even the guy, um, even one of the uh, commentary bits is, is less than six foot, but we think he's about six three. Hmm. So I can't remember his name though. The the shortest international uh, rugby player in second row I've seen was well Chabal when he played for a couple of years for France. He's six three. Yeah. Um, but I think we should definitely have uh, former Leicester, Bath, and Exeter second row Peter Short. Oh, how dare you! I've got, <laughs> I've got Peter Short and I've got Peter Small. Have you got Peter? <laughs> I've got Peter Short, Short from, from Exeter. Yeah, so I yeah. thought it was funny. Yeah, and I've also got Peter Small, who played, who was from Pontefract and played for Bradford Bulls at six foot three. Very good. <laughs> Very yeah, good. Peter Short's a six five and nineteen and a half stone. <laughs> yeah. Look, kind of out of place in this team. Uh, any other second rows, Tim? No. Mm. Let me see if I can find the Ospreys fella. Well, let's open it up to Twitter. Yeah, there must be someone. Second rows is the, is the most challenging one to come up with. So if you can remember. Uh, a strangely short second row at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, please. And and for any other position for that matter. Yeah. Um, and while JB's trying to find that, we'll move on to back row then. Well, Neil Back has to be. Neil there. Back is Does our, it have to be? Well, yeah, he was, the, he was kind of the original one to break the mould. I think yeah. even if there are players that are smaller than him, yeah. I think he I think he goes in and probably captains the team. Unless yes. Well, but maybe. Uh, number eight, I, I reckon we'll all have the same one. Yeah. Oh, well, no. No. All right, I reckon I've got the same one as Phil then. So I Phil, think you have. One, two, three. Kabamba floors. <laughs> oh, Kabamba floors. <laughs> I had Kabamba floors as a six rather than an eight. Oh, okay, fair enough. I think it's Stefan Armitage. Yeah, Stefan Armitage is eight. Ah, oh, okay, was... yeah, Kabamba but... floors. Well, you had Kabamba floors in your 15. Yes. Yeah. 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 Five for eight, five, five for nine. nine. Five, yeah. nine. And Rapid. only 89 kg. Yeah. To be really, now, yeah. you compare that to the average height like and weight of a... 14 and a bit stone. Yeah, you compare that to the average height and weight of a South African back rower. That is like that's like four stone. That's lighter. one third of a South African back row. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, there you go. We've got uh, Stefan Armitage, Kabamba floors, Neil back back row. Now, I, I is there anyone else I, that can well, maybe squeeze in? I thought Heinrich Brousseau was, oh, was crushing, yeah. but he's he's actually bigger than you think. Isn't yeah, he? he's five eleven and a sixteen and a half stone. Oh. So he, he's not. He's just small for a South African back rower. Yeah. Yep. Scrum half. And here we go. Go on, JB. Well, I've got two actually. Uh, I've got Jack Furrow, uh, five foot three, and I've also got the Japanese fellow who plays for Stade Francais, Atsushi Hiwasa. That's a boy, He's five oh. five. I've got him down as he, he had like a three month trial at Stade Francais. Oh, that's even smaller than Peter Stringer, who was my one. Yeah, five seven. Yeah, is it like eleven and a bit of stone. Yeah, really, really like Morgan Parrot is bigger bit bigger than I thought. Yeah, he's 5'10", 5'10", yeah. something like that. Yeah. He he's, tiny, he's, though. He's light. He's, he's very, he's slim. very slim. Oh, yeah. is he? Yeah. He's pretty teeny. Like, a lot of people would... It's a bit like looking at Freddie Burns. You'd go, you can't play rugby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You'll get broken. Uh, so, who are we going for at nine? Um, I quite... You're an old guy, the, the smallest man ever. Jack Farouk. He's Jack Farouk, 5'3", smallest he's an interesting, rugby player ever. He's an interesting character, actually. Is he? Yes, he is. He, um, he likes falling out with people. Uh, he, I think he won a Grand Slam as captain of the French team. 
So he, he's he, got some he, pedigree. Yeah, real pedigree. He then was manager of Grenoble. He lost a game. Now, he's manager of Grenoble. They lost a final of some sort, and he accused uh, the match had been fixed. He then left Rugby Union and he went over to Rugby League and ran the, the, the PSG side. Remember them? Uh, yeah. I just I stopped full of, full of Australians. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly like died. Uh, mid to late 90s. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was uh, two years. Yeah, I had a Salford season ticket for a year or nice. two. Nice. When I was younger. Uh, and then suddenly died in his mid 50s. So uh, lived fast and short, literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> Live short, died short. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so it, there you go. Well done. You're, you're in at nine. Um, ten. I've gone with my, one of my favourite all-time players. All-time players. He's not the shortest I could find. I could find two or three shorts, but I, I want him in the team. Thomas Castagnet. Yeah. How tall was he? 5'8"? Five, 5'9". Five, 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 yeah, um, great player. This tells you a story um, about the science of premiership players. There was a player called Ryan Davis. Oh, there is a player called Ryan Davis, plays for Bristol. And Bath the next to previously. Yeah. That, that, that's the boy. And he was listed as the shortest player in, in the premiership. But he's 5'10". <laughs> That, in, the, in the year that he was playing, that, that's, that's Wikipedia, and someone just having a laugh. No, no, it? this was oh, it was Stuart Barnes. Oh, oh, there you go. You, you. I was listening to Stuart Barnes' commentary. It was about three or four years ago when he was playing for Bath, and they said, "Oh, he's the shortest player in the Premiership." I was like, "How short is he?" So I looked him, looked him up, and that's a good point because it's just made me Google Stuart Barnes, and he's oh, yeah, he's tiny. He's man. five six. Yeah. Oh, is he? Put what? Stuart Barnes in at 10. <laughs> no. Pee wee 15. He makes up for it in girth, but uh, not in height. Thomas Castanier. Now, uh, now who, who fills out this? I mean, you played at championship level, Phil, and I, I, I'm thinking maybe Sedgley Tigers might be the same as premiership teams. Who writes down and says on a club's website or in the match day programme the height and weight? Because do you reckon uh, there's, there's just... Compl- uh, Luke Charteris, for example, yeah. says he's six foot nine. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's seven foot. <laughs> no, I'm not, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not even saying it as a joke. He is seven foot. I played with him at Bath Uni. The guy, is, his shoulder is above my head. Wow. He is seven foot, I'm telling you. Uh, and I do know that certainly at our level, it was the players, because we had a six foot seven inch scrum half <laughs> <laughs> and, and a five foot one inch prop one of the years. Nice. So there's going to be official weights and there's going to be Oh like, yeah, and I like, always give my weight, yeah. uh, I give my height is slightly, slightly taller and weight is slightly less. That's just what you do. Well, there's the, it depends, depending on what shape you're in, you put your weight as yeah, more, yeah, more or less. Or less. Yeah. Because I, I, like, when we were stood next to the, the Saracens boys, like, uh, Alex Good and Chris, Chris Ashton are not big blokes at all. No, they're not. They're, but they're listed as being like 5'11", 6'4", and 14 half, 15 stone. And I, I'm sure they're not. No. I mean, stood next to them, and I'm in. I'm in trainers, and they're in boots. Ashton did not seem to be that that big. Hey, I think you're 100 percent right. I, I I don't think they are. I think they're um, their stats are enhanced. Shall we yeah. say? Yeah. There is there is another ten. I, I like the thought of putting Stuart Barnes in, but that. <laughs> do you remember from the World Cup that little Russian fella? Oh yes, yes. that's the other guy. Yanni Yushk. He's Yanni five four. Is he five, five four? Uh, five, and the, four five, there five. was. Um, do you remember the 2003 World Cup? The Samoan ten who played played against England was listed as the smallest player in that World Cup. Oh. He was five five. Earl oh. Var. Oh, no, God, I don't remember him. Hmm. But let's, we, can we go Stuart Barnes? <laughs> I'd like to go Stuart oh, Barnes. Stuart Barnes is in. <laughs> right, wingers, 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 wingers. Ah, you'll like this one. Yeah, go on. It's a bit of an old, an old school name. You probably remember him, Paul Sampson. 
Yes, I've oh, played he, against him. Um, yes, you have, yeah, you? you have, haven't you? Married to Kirsty Gallagher. That's the one. Here's some uh, little nuggets of information for you. In the summer of 1996, he won the England School's 100 metre title with a time of 10.48, uh, beating Dwayne Chambers. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hold, hold on a minute. Hold on, hold on. Fact. That's brilliant, Jay. <laughs> Thanks. And then, and then he tried out to be a gladiator in 2008 uh, because it was hosted by Kirsty Gallagher, but failed to be selected. But got selected by her. That's right. <laughs> For her bed. That's right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's only 5'7". Not a big bloke at all. If you nope. had the choice of being champ, being a gladiator or being Kirsty Gallagher's fella when you, if you were a single man again, like, you can't answer this, you're just married. No, no, I can't. <laughs> this could be the shortest marriage in history. Uh, I'd be a gladiator because yeah. I'd have several Kirsty Gallagher's. <laughs> and all we could and, Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, right, so Paul Sampson on one wing. Uh, well, there's, there's quite a few wingers. You, you've, you've played opposite him. You've played directly against him. And uh, you could potentially get in this 15th <laughs> Yes, I guess. <laughs> I certainly could. My uh, stats are pretty similar to, to Paul Sampson's. My, certainly my height and weight are, not my 100-metre uh, time. Shane Williams, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Was, um, was... Not in the centres. Oh, back three. Okay, fine. Back, back so, three. so Shane Williams, Paul Sampson, wingers. Um, unless well, there's another. Well, Shane Williams, uh, you've got David Lemmy. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, Great see, player. Can someone help me out? Because I could not remember the, the guy's name for the life of me. He's an England winger. He was around. Ja- James Short, by the way, could get in. <laughs> yes. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, On both counts. I also looked for a second rose named Lowe, but I couldn't find any. I'm sure there are. Kieran Lowe for uh, London Damn Irish. Damn it. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I wanted. Uh, I'm sure it's David something, and he's playing opposite Jonah Lomu. And the story was David versus Goliath, because... Oh, he played for Bristol. It's David Reese. David Reese. Um, uh, how tall was he? Uh, probably about 5'8", I would just hazard a guess. I don't think he's as small as David Lemmy or some of the other ones. I also seem to remember Phil Christopher's been small. But when I lo- looked him up, he wasn't. So that's the end of that story. Good story, bro. <laughs> Thanks. Um, oh, David Lemmy's a good shout. Other wingers, David Smith of Toulon. Yeah. He's 5'8", but like 14 stone. Stacked. He's a yeah. wide boy. Gio Aplon. Oh, yeah. 5'9". And Very like lithe. 12 stone. Figure, yeah. Who have you got in, in centres? Well, there's a couple Carl of... Carl Eastman. Carl Eastman. There's another Stormers winger called Chesling Colby, who's smaller than Gio Aplon, who's a, wow. like a, a 20-year-old who's kind of coming through the ranks. Uh, uh, and Carlin Isles as well. He's, oh, Carl Isles is tiny. He's 5'8", he's 72 kilograms. He's like 11 stone flat. Pick us a back line, Phil. Just pick it. Come on. <laughs> uh, we'll go with Jay's nine. Stuart Barnes. Yeah. Kyle Eastman alongside Mike Catt. Shane Williams. Jason Robinson at full back. And we'll put Romaine Toulet, five foot five, nice. on, on the other wing. Good work. Excellent. Pee Wee 15, proving <laughs> that you can be little and still be a star player. I'm not sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> at Rugby yeah, that... Podcast on Twitter, if you've got anyone else you want to suggest or you disagree heavily with anything we've said. <laughs> right. We've come up with some stupid ideas before. <laughs> uh, I don't quite know what to do with this, so brace yourself. This could go down in flames. It could be fantastic. What are you thinking with this, Phil? And JB, you two, leave mm. you alone for five minutes and you come up with bonkers ideas like this. Come I on, think this is an absolutely sensational idea. How do, how do you explain this then? Come on. So we were debating. What were we actually debating? Who uh, would win? Well, we were debating making the best rugby team in the world. Yes. But only use... Well, I suppose we're debating who is the best player in the world. And you can pick the best prop, you can pick ah, the best second yes. row, you can pick the be- best back row. But who is the undisputed number one? And so the only way to determine that is to do a Jonah Loma rugby from 
the PlayStation in the mid-90s style <laughs> team where all of your team is played by one by player. one player. Which oh, was obviously yes. it was a it was Jonah Lomu one to fifteen one to fifteen yeah and they, they, it was quite a good team if you remember I've forgotten <laughs> that they did that if you remember playing against that you had to like unlock it at the end of, uh, if you won one how would you go how would you go about defeating the Jonah Lomu fifteen without using well, there, 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 you could also get a team of really small rapid players as well uh, I remember there was some cheat I don't know if it was Thomas. Um, Dominguez, Dominguez or something yeah. like that. Or, there, was, there was another way of getting it, or it was a cheat, maybe. Thomas Dominguez. Like a tiny. Uh, no, no. no. Chris, I was going to say Christoph Dominici. something like that. It's yeah. exactly where, where where this conversation goes. A team of a team of Tom, Thomas Domingos is, isn't the way forward. I don't think, <laughs> unless you're playing against a team of well Peter Stringers. I don't know. So what you're basically saying is, if you picked one player, yeah. One to fifteen. One to fifteen. Who, which player would win? Yes, that's a brilliant. All right, I, I, <laughs> I see it a bit more, and that's an interesting one because I think Thomas Domingo. He's a, he's a sort of modern. Yeah. To, to move the conversation on from like you got John Olomu, this massive man, mountain, rapid, quick, powerful. You got Thomas Domingo. He's quick. Mm-hmm. He's athletic mm-hmm. for a prop. He's powerful. What I would say is you put those two teams together. Yeah, if John Olomu's team can get the ball, they will. They will smash them to bits, but with Thomas Domingo, with Thomas Domingo, well, let the, a fifteen of Thomas Domingo's let them get the ball. Can I just throw this little wrinkle into the whole equation, which is when they scrimmage, and invariably the team of Peter Stringers or whoever we've got are going backwards to the team of Thomas Domingo's. Um, at a rate of knots. At a rate of knots. Well, there's no there's, penalty. Look, well, it's going to be penalty. It's going to be yellow card, but it's not going to be uncontested because. You have your front row replacements. There's 15 of them. You don't have to nominate like <laughs> 23 people. 20, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They would just go through them and, until the game the game was over. They'd be, in fact, the Domingos would be throwing the ball on the floor. Yeah, they'd be incentivized to drop it yeah. to knock on. Every... And by the way, under my new rules to eliminate the knock on, a deliberate knock on would result in a yellow card to, to, to well, the Domingo team. <laughs> So, so it still makes but, but, sense. But I think this, it's a really interesting question because as well as debating players, you're also debating the game of rugby because you look back at that, that exhibition pair of matches that happened in the 90s between when rugby was turning professional between Bath Rugby and Wigan Warriors, um, Rugby League, Rugby Union. And the Bath, I mean, Wigan won that technically with Jason Robinson in the side. Mm-hmm. But really, you'd have to say Bath would have won it had they bothered to scrummage your line out. They just let it all uncontested because it would have been... Yeah. A bloodbath. Excuse the pun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, the only problem with this is... It's like scrummaging. How big a part of the game is scrummaging? Well, yeah. it, it usually ends up with Phil deciding that Manu Tuolangi is going to be the best 15. <laughs> now, I don't disagree that he'd be up there, but that also is like to say Manu Tuolangi is the best player in the world. That is what you've come up with. No, it's not just. It's not purely saying you he's the best player in the world. You fit him into the most number of positions. Yes, that's yeah, yeah. That's but the where argument originally started with yeah. who is the best player in the world, and how do we decipher that? Well, we want a team of fifty. So from that, you get Manu Tuolangi to be the best player in the world, which probably. But then a team of Manu Tuolangis could potentially be be beaten by a team of. I know a, like, team. Oh, a team of Owen Franks because they could just every time Manu Tuolagi restarts to them, they drop the ball. It's a it's a scrum. I think I get the, the answer to this. Sent to the bin. I got the answer. It's a team of shock Britses. Hmm. They can throw. They can scrummage. They can run. Hmm. They probably could lift, and that actually makes shock Brits the best player in the world. 
But then I still think you have the problem where a team of international tight head props could be could be a team of sharp Brits. Well, this is where I think it's brilliant because the, the, I guess if you want to step back from it, it's a question of how important is rugby intelligence and pace and power and things, and how important is scrummaging, scrummaging and mauling, ru- yeah, rucking and rucking. Yeah. Where, where is the balance? Because I think without, if you take a player that is the quickest, most powerful, but cannot ruck, cannot maul, cannot scrummage, they're going to lose a game of rugby. And, and that's what I love about rugby. Yes. Yeah. And it, it probably, you're right, it probably demonstrates just the different types of players that are required to play it. But then 15 George North is, is a terrifying prospect, yes. isn't it? I'm not sure if he can, pa- he can pass. I've seen him play a centre. He's, he's good at it, actually. Yeah. So who is who is your 15? I still think I'd go for Tuolagi. Manu Tuolagi as my 15. Because I reckon he's, he's like 18 and a half stone. I reckon with a few weeks of scrimmage practice, he could probably do a job. He could get by. See, I'd go for Shulk Brits. Would you? Team of, Shul- team of Shulks. Who are, who's a really quick, athletic number eight? Oh, by the way, imagine the uh, blip. Someone, someone like Tom Croft or PSBs. No, no, not PSBs. That'd be a disaster. Yeah, no, not, not PSBs. Stefan Armitage. The, I wonder yeah. if 15 Stefan Armitages would do it. He's a bit he, light, you know. He'd slot him in at prop nicely. Yeah. He looks like a prop, but only... Uh, Line out, you'd probably avoid. You'd probably keep the ball in play. Mm. Yeah, definitely avoid the line. Yeah, what you don't want is a team of line-out operators. That'd, that'd be awful to watch. <laughs> team of Gaskells. Gaskell's got some gas, though. Yeah, he's got gas, actually. I think mm. I would... If, if there was a quick, stocky, intelligent ball-playing back row, I'd probably go with them. Team of JBs. What, what about someone like uh, Sean O'Brien? Oh, that's interesting. Because he can... He's got some pace he's strong as, as a tank as, a, as a tall old tank he can run a line yeah. yeah and he's actually got surprisingly good hands oh, for, for I'm, a, a I'm, big boy I'm going Sean O'Brien I like that he wouldn't be pushed back at scrum time and he would no. he'd make his tackles in D hmm. and he, he'd probably just win it would be a very boring game plan <laughs> truck it up <laughs> it would not be, tackle it would not be pretty and uh, shot, shot bits me because I'll tell you the other reason as well the blitz defence. He's the he's the yeah, one who yeah. rushes off. Imagine him always <laughs> rushing up. <laughs> Little chip over the top though, but then he's good at fielding balls from exactly. Oh wow. Yeah. I think I, I win that one. I'd Brilliant. also I'd quite like to see as well uh Fofana. And I think he's a bit too light, but just his A bit too light. Uh, for, light for the scrummaging, but if you can somehow avoid the scrummaging. Play rugby league. Yes, fifteen for Fofana or thirteen for Fofana would make a hell of a rugby league team. Mm. I'd love to see 15 Danny Cares playing. <laughs> That'd be electric. Quick ball to quick oh, ball. Oh, they'd just argue. They'd all argue with each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be good. Um, oh, dear me. We must have missed some as well. We must have. So currently, the, the best we've come up with is we've got a team of Sean O'Brien's taking on a team of Shout Britches taking on a team of Manny Tuolagis. I, I think... Who would be, well. be your least Sorry. fun to watch then? A team of... Two second rules. Thomas Waldrums. <laughs> a team of Ewan Murray's would be pretty dire. Oh. Yeah, a and, team and, of Ivy and Lewis Roberts. That'd, that'd be awesome. <laughs> They'd fill the field. <laughs> <laughs> or a team of James, James Hudson's. Hmm. Uh, they would not want to do any rucking. They just they just be going kicking it out for line yeah. outside. Looking at I, I don't care if I'm outside the twenty two. I'm kicking it straight to touch. I want line to know line out. Line every, out. Every one of them pointing at the ruck. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! 
Oh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to. There must be more. Send them on Twitter. Yeah, dude. Yes. That's a good one. I want to come back to this. Yes. I'm sorry I doubted you. <laughs> I'm sorry. See? This is this is possibly my favourite talking point ever because it's <laughs> it's insane. And then yeah, when we get when we get ten good ones, we'll have a tournament. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, p- please, EA Sports, can you just do this? So we can settle this once and for all. Why don't we buy the EA Sports rugby game and find out ourselves? No, we don't want EA Sports. We want some, like, uh, you know the Russian scientists who in the 70s and 80s were looking at kind of genetically altering their athletes. We want want those guys to take some samples from the players. A little biopsy uh, from different players. A couple of of Victor Contes. Create us some, yeah, some clones and then we can do it properly. Yeah. Kyle Eastman's would be pretty good. He's no. got hands, gas. He's strong. You've got to start start it, with the yeah. scrimmage and work backwards. Yeah, yeah it comes. It all comes down to that's the problem. I wonder and if one year from and... now we'll be saying fifteen Sam Burgesses because they say in rugby league he's a complete athlete. Six foot five, runs runs with gas. He's incredible. Got, got hands, can kick. Hmm. I hope he is as good as everyone says he is. I hope he is. It could be a huge letdown. I hope he's it? amazing at eight as well. It'd just be so good to watch. Hmm. Oh, there's so many. Oh, who? All right, one, you've got to pick, you've got to put your teams forward because I want to talk about this again next time. Uh, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, we'll, we'll keep this going until the next podcast, which will be without JB. Yep, mm. I'm actually on honeymoon. I might phone in, Skype in or something. Probably won't be very... I think, you, you sound ecstatic at your honeymoon. You sound, you suddenly, <laughs> you, the whole tone's just dropped. Yeah, well... Where are you uh, going? Um, Is it a rugby playing country? Italy. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. Probably, probably do a bit of pre-season scouting. Go and see how Treviso are getting on. Yeah, take your boots with you just in case you can get a just game. in case I'm needed. I've yeah. taken, taken a big glass case with boots in and a small hammer just in case the game breaks <laughs> out. <laughs> Let me get this podcast back on track and move us on to our next topic because we have plenty more to debate and plenty more to talk about on this one. Uh, right, let's just briefly run the rule over a couple of the clubs. That as they prepare for their new season by having a little bit of a club close-up where we just kind of have a quick status update and see where they're at with the signings and all the rest of it. And we've got Wasps, firstly. Hmm. So we're going to look at Stash, the signings they've made, and we're going to look at what, how we think they're going to fare this coming season with hmm. what they've got. So uh, Stash, firstly, they changed their kit last year. They did. Was it Cookery? Yes, unfortunately for them. You're not a fan of Cookery, Phil? No. No, we had some cookery kit at Colin Bay. W- was not impressed. Yeah, uh, Lancaster University when I was was there quite a while ago, albeit. And can uh, I tell you uh, the other thing which I really it. dislike? Their St. George's Day kit. I think it's horrendous. Oh, yeah, I know the one you mean. I like well, that they do it with the, with the red sash. It's awful. Oh, it was a bad kit. It's sash like like Miss World. Um, <laughs> I, I had to watch a bit of the Wasps game, and it took me, I mean, I, I know a little bit about rugby, and it took me a good minute or so to work out who the hell was playing. Mm. It was them. And I think the other team were playing in pink. I thought the world has gone mad. <laughs> There's Andy Goode uh, modelling the kit. Wasps a few years ago had it on lockdown when they had the traditional stripes. I don't like the, the, the dotted thing. Oh, I don't mind it. I don't mind oh, it. Oh, no. I'm all about tradition. I, I want the black I, and white. I like and that they've got the inverse, black, black inverse of the away kit. Oh, look at that with a little paunch on Andy Goode there. <laughs> Lovely. He's good shape, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about the signings they made then. So we're kind of a bit meh about the kit. Uh, yeah. But the signings, I think they've done some tremendous business. Let's just uh, talk about who they've brought in. James Gaskell. Good. It, it is a good sign, but I mentioned it last week. I think they're strengthening what is already their strongest facet. Yeah, Nathan Hughes at eight. Yeah. Well, second row, I think, is one of the, was one of their weak links, with the yes. exception of Joe Launchbury. Ag- agree with that, and they've got rid of Tom Palmer. And they've mm. got a real line-out captain in James Where's Gaskell Where's Tom now. Palmer gone, by the way? Uh, uh, Gloucester. Gloucester. 
And they've got Bradley Davis. Bradley Davis, yeah. Coming from Cardiff, who is a pretty good signing, pretty handy. Yeah, handy. he is a good signing. Big yeah. unit. So I think when you look at that, Launchbury, Davies, Gaskell, and I think they will use Gaskell as a second row and kind of line-out captain. Is he heavy enough to be a second row? Uh, he's, he's, not, not, he's not a big boy. Like, no, he's tall and, and slim. I suppose if you've got Nathan Hughes, Bradley Davies or Launchbury around you and Ashley Johnson, maybe you can carry yeah. him. But he, he will, he will d- make a good impression on their line-out. Yeah. Uh, which struggled last year as well. They've also signed in the forwards Lorenzo Cittadini from Treviso, a tight head. 35 Italian caps to his name. Big slice. Yeah, I, I, that's uh, a good sign. That was an area of need for them because Jake Cooper Willie's a promising prospect, but you can't play him week in, week out, every and game. Yeah. Just on that, uh, Treviso, we mentioned a couple of players last week who've signed mm. for sale from Treviso. There's a, f- a couple of signed for Wasps. Leicester, Leicester have signed three or four yeah. players from Treviso. Is, is, there, is there anyone left in Treviso? Is this like Southampton, where for whatever reason it is at the moment, everyone thinks that Southampton, Southampton just have a team of world beaters and everybody else needs them immediately. And if they were really a team of world beaters, surely they'd be doing something a little bit better than what they've done this year. I, I, I can't quite figure it out. I mean, they've got a lot of players with international experience. Yeah. But, yeah... Mm. No, you no, you're wrong. Out. Long term, it is good because then they get to blood all the kids. Hmm. The other signings for Treviso are Rory Jackson from Glasgow Warriors. They've got, they've kind of got a ten that they can build sorry. their future around for wasps. For that's... wasps, sorry. Yeah, uh, they've got a kind of ten in Rory Jackson that they can build their sort of gameplay and future around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Alapati Lea, I can't, I don't know Luaya. how you pronounce it. Luaya, yeah, from Hurricanes. Now he, I didn't realise he's a brother of London Irish's Afisa Trevoranus. Really? really? Uh, yeah, I guess it's a half brother, but he's uh, got a few Samoan caps. He's twenty-five, fifty matches in Super Rugby for Hurricanes, and so he's a winger. He's a winger, winger slash centre. Oh, so the, not did, a huge area of need for them. Certainly not the winger. I think the centres they could, uh, if he's a thirteen, that that could be a good move for them. But yeah. but wingers back three, they they don't need any more players. They've got a great back. They've got one of the best back threes uh, in the league. Yeah, yeah, they have actually. They absolutely have. Yeah. So I actually think their recruitment's been strong. Not bad. Could do better. I would have liked to see them get another couple of heavyweight props and hmm. probably probably another couple of like uh, good ball-playing centres or certainly another ball, good ball-playing yeah. centre. I think Elliot Daly could be the 13 that you're talking about. Yeah, I reckon so. I think Elliot yeah. Daly to 13. Oh, imagine that electric pace inside of the two men with electric pace. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And outside Joe Simpson with electric pace. Yeah. It's very, very quick yeah. team, isn't it? They've got some real gas in and that then, and then And then Andy Goo just bringing it all together. <laughs> and Nathan Hughes, this will be his first full season in the Premiership. Yeah. He could, he could tear up trees at number eight. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think they might actually have built a base for their electric backs. I, I still think, I agree with you, Phil, that front row, I would like to see one more prop. But if I was grading their recruitment, I think they've done... They've done top four recruitment in terms of compared to the other teams. I think they've done really well. Right. Mm. Yeah. Plug in some gaps. So do you think, so they finished seventh last year and secured the European Champions Cup place through the playoff with Stanford, I'd say. Do you think they'll improve on that? No. I think they might have a bit of sale syndrome. And I think they're going to be put through the grinder in the European Cup. And I think they're probably going to finish outside the top six. I don't think that squad will hold up well playing Clermont away, Leinster away. Or how about in the winter? Yes. I'm inclined to agree with you a little bit. I'm going to stick my neck out and say they'll finish sixth. Mm, I think seventh. Let's let's briefly, because again, I think this one's probably quite easy to look at. Let's have a look at Quinn's. Well, Quinn's stash, 
we don't know, but I've not been as excited to see a kit yes. as the Harlequins Harlequin. eclectic colour palette with Adidas. Yeah, I, I, Adidas in both rugby and football are doing excellent things. I was in two weeks ago in the airport coming back from Jay Stagdu and there was some Adidas kits, I think the German kit and the, uh, yes. the Bayern Munich kits there. They are lovely, lovely. They it, I was almost tempted to and pay also, the, the that, 90 euros for it. That Harlequins kit is such a classic. Yeah. That's going to come out very good. Interestingly, with the, with the World Cup, I, I, I looked at the Football World Cup long and hard and I decided what my favourite kits were and they're all the ones that look like rugby kits and they're all Nike, France. actually. France's kit. Doesn't that look like a rugby Wonderful. kit? Wonderful. Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? It is. Nice. Australia's... I really like oh, okay. it. looks like an old Wallaby rugby kit. I really like it. And then, like you say, the, the I love the German kit. German yeah, kit the German kit is so efficient. It's really, really nice. <laughs> I'm hopeful that Quinns, after getting rid of O'Neill's and uh, yeah. L- London Irish, have got O'Neill's this season. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I mean, it fits O'Neill's it did, it did, it did. Irish Ireland, but we'll, we'll, anyway. The Quinns, are, Quinns are probably the biggest brand in, in rugby as well, aren't they? Well, English rugby. Uh, English club rugby, I'd say Leicester, Leicester. Tigers. No, no. Before I knew anything about rugby, before I started following it, like say age th- thirteen stuff, I still recognised the like the Quinns uniform, the Quinns, the Quinns kit. Oh, I see what you're it's saying. most it's most easily recognisable yeah. kit. Yeah. yeah, I knew that was Agree. a rugby team. I wouldn't have known Leicester Tigers was a rugby team. Yeah, yeah. So the, with the kit, we are so excited. We're waiting with bated breath. Yes. Uh, as, as for signings, well, two gas men really. Yeah, Marlin Yard, uh, obviously, and Asali Tikaratuma. Don't know anything about him. Chiefs, super rugby player, 12 tries in 42 appearances. Mm. Well, I can say this much. I thought their current selection of wingers were the worst in, in the Premiership, or among the worst. Because they hold out, any I mean, they've got one guy to Exeter. <laughs> They're... Tom Williams, Sam Smith, Ugo Monia. Paul Saki Paul was Saki. there last year, yeah. yeah it wasn't, not great, is it? It wasn't great, no. Like, Ugo Monia's been off the scene for a while, and he was now their, he's now their starter. Not playing because of injury. Mm. He's still a good winger, Monia. I hope he is, because... I do like Monia a lot. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Saki, the way he plays. Well, he's retired now. Right, well, that's good. Um, <laughs> um, they've, they've also got the young youngster, Oliver, oh, sorry, Ollie Lind- Lindsay, Lindsay Haig, Haig yeah. who is a good mm. player. Yeah, live wire. He played a bit of sevens. Well, they used to play George Lowe on the wing occasionally when he was first coming through, and he looked awesome on the wing. Mm. So th- they have plugged an area of need. I mean, yeah. th- they've got one of the best up-and-coming wingers in. Yeah. And uh, they've got a really promising guy from Super Rugby as well. So They've only got two locks in their squad. I'm just looking at their squad. Ain't... They've only got Charlie Matthews, the, the young lad, and George Robson, who's a good, solid like, yeah. premiership-level uh, performer. But that's it. They, it looks like they, they need to get... Bring back Holly Cohn. Yeah, and, you, and, and look at their back row, and you go a couple of injuries... And yeah, because Nick, Nick, Nick Easter was playing lock last year for, exactly. was, wasn't he? for periods. And he's yeah. 35, who have been involved in the England age group setups. Um, so, they've also, front row, they're looking good as well. They've oh, got, yeah, they are. So Joe Marler is obviously, he's only 23, but yeah. like England first choice. They've now got three England hookers, thanks to the... That's amazing, ridic- isn't it? Ridiculous. Was it Rob Buchanan, Joe Gray and... Dave Ward. Dave Ward. How does that work yeah. in contract negotiations? Isn't it amazing? Because you get a call up and now you are an England hooker. It doesn't matter... If you are or not really an England hooker, like you, but your agent's going to say he's an England hooker. He needs to be paid like an England hooker. Yeah, um, and um, at, through him. at tight end they've got two England props in Paul Doran Jones, who is now their third choice, and Kyle Sinclair, who got called up, yep. and Will Collier, who is but for injury at the end of the last yeah. season, allowing Kyle Sinclair to to take his place. He could have been on the tour. Yeah, yes. when I saw Kyle Sinclair come in, I think I saw him first time round against Stade Francais. 
I could be completely wrong on this, he just got annihilated. It, it, it wasn't fun to watch. But there again, with young props, I think they are going to get annihilated for the first two or three games. So you're going to have to pick your games well, where you want to expose them, get them in. It must be so difficult if you're a 20-year-old prop and you're used to, you've played rugby for eight, nine years and every single time, (laughs) the biggest, the strongest, you've been like just bullying people and you come up against a a, A a 30-year-old, yeah, 30-year-old Georgian who's had (laughs) 12 years in the top 14. He's had to travel to three different countries to finally get his starting staff from, say, and he's going to eat your face. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why I love the championship. Look at Dan Cole. Yeah. And look at the the Barrington for Saracens who came through from Jersey. Yeah. Matt Parr who came from Nottingham. That's one position where the championship should be used for props a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a brilliant place. And in some respects, I think championship, there are a lot of championship front rows that would muller premiership front rows. Uh, I completely agree. You look yeah. at the, the size and weight of the championship but then players. There's a trade off, isn't it? They would muller them for the first 40 minutes, but what, what, what happens oh, when they're No, time? totally, totally. Yeah. But you, you chuck a 20 year old, yeah, then yeah. you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and I'm going to trot to Bedford and I'm going to be the big I am. No, you're not. You're going to get, yeah. 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 you're going to have 80 minutes of pain. You're going to learn, white learn, some, learn some hard lessons yeah. doing that. Yeah. I'm sure Dan Cole would say that about his time at Bedford. Yes, absolutely. But no, they're looking strong. I think they've plugged an area of need. I do worry, as you said, about the back five in the scrum. Yes, definitely. But their backs are definitely looking good now. Do you see them as a top four? Or do you see them? Because they sort of snuck in the top four. I, I do think Fifth over, place. over the course of the season that, that Bath are still looking better. Even though yeah. Harlequins beat them in that deciding premiership game, I still think that I will back Bath ahead oh, of them ba- for ba- the top four. Coming back into this season, Bath are going to be absolutely buzzing because they're going to have uh, slamming, sl- slamming Sam. Can't, yeah, can't do it for the life of me. That. In the row, um, <laughs> they are gradually getting better. They've got young, 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 young kids playing. Everyone will be inspired because Henson's there for one more year. Um, <laughs> they want to give him the send off he deserves, yeah, which he deserves. Um, Good old I big think gal. They'll do. Really, really well next year, and I think they'll they will be in fourth place or or above. Yeah, agree, agree. They won't make the mistake that they did this. this I hope they have their lovely kits. So yeah, Harlequin's fifth for me. I think I have to agree. Mm -hmm. I think I have to agree. We've all pretty much agreed on the uh, the four clubs we've done so far. So let's just write it down just for posterity. So we've said that Northampton will definitely be top four, probably top two. Yep. We predicted Sail Sharks would be around eight nine. Yeah, Sail Sharks eighth, London Wasps. Well, let's go seventh on a majority. Seventh. I thought they might sneak into sixth. And you're saying Quinn's fifth. Yeah. So that's four of our spots taken up. Mm. Mm. So we will uh, we'll see you next time. We'll have two more clubs that we'll put under the microscope. You can always, again, if you are listening to that and you're an outraged Quinn's fan that thinks Marlin Yard is going to be the little catalyst that drives you from uh, sneaking into the top four to being uh, solidly in the top four, then you tell us at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. But we move from that to something else that we want you to get involved in. Now, what we want is a club for Phil, who is homeless, like the littlest hobo. Man and boy, Sedgley Park Rugby Club, this is the first year where you've not played any rugby. You've had some sabbaticals for studying, you've had injuries, but six years of age through to the current day, you have been Sedgley Park from mini rugby... Was it touch rugby when you played mini, or was it full uh, contact? No, I, well, I started at ten at, at oh, Sedgley, yeah, and then uh, it was so it was full contact, yeah, right through, right through to the championship against Exeter Chiefs and the like back in yeah. back then, but, yeah, a few years ago. 
but, yes. but now he's going to taste what it's like to be a fan of a team and which team it is is up to you because you have to pitch why it should be your club and uh, we've had some brilliant suggestions so far and Phil will put you on a short list if it's good enough if your pitch is strong enough uh, whether it be the brilliant beers you have in your clubhouse the atmosphere you create a great chant some exciting players or a brilliant director of rugby or w- whatever it is uh, so get in touch and let us know send That's us great your pitch so far. send us your pitch JB is the man that's kind of refereeing and, and umpiring this. Phil's the one that makes the decision. So where are we at with this, JB? Well, I had an application the other week because we're doing two a week and, uh, you know, we can't fit them all in. So we've been trying try and get them through in a steady manner. And this one, well, I can tell you, it's a bit, a bit ambitious. But I thought it'd be worth discussing. And the reason that I'm going to only discuss it is because Phil's already got a country. He supports England. A country? A country, yeah. That is ambitious. That's quite ambitious, <laughs> isn't it? So I, I received this uh, the other day. Hey, Jonathan. Big fan of the podcast. I've turned on a few of my other rugby friends to it in the States as well. As you may or may not know, rugby in the States is still up and coming. The best place to start is the national team, USA Eagles. It's made up of half domestic-based amateur athletes and half foreign-based professional or semi-pro players. A They're fine a- victory against Canada. Well done on that one. Yes, mm. indeed. Splendid hat-trick by Blaine Scully as well. Ah, really? Yeah. But they have some good clubs, and it seems to be most of the clubs are kind of San Francisco, L.A., uh, Glendale is in, a, is in L.A., Golden Gates, obviously, Sammy Manoa's club. Washington State as well is fairly big for rugby. Uh, West Coast base. Seattle, that's in Washington State, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Seattle Saracens recently announced that they're the latest ah. little place that they're having. So there's now Seattle Saracens. Mm. Oh, really? Like there's Hong Kong Saracens and there's there's various, I think there's eight now. They've got little Saracens kind of clubs that, yeah. they're, that they're kind of taking control of. And I think it's just for their scouting system, so... And I think if you looked at Samu Manoa, you'd go, let's get over there. There's some big old lads uh, who we could who we could get. Yeah. Agreed. And he just said that, uh, thank you for discussing um, Ulster, Exeter and Bath, but I think maybe uh, USA Eagles should be included. Well, I'm not sure that you are going to support USA Eagles, are you, Phil? I've always had a bit of a soft spot for them, actually, but I can't possibly switch allegiance from England to USA. <laughs> it would be a big step in the, in, the, in the World Cup next year I think I will prefer to be supporting England but well, I, I do like what they're doing in, in USA Rugby and I love their kit yes their kit is outstanding they've got some I'm, that I'm, goes for their football kit as well to be fair well, yeah I like their football like kit in, as well sorry uh, uh, American yeah. listeners soccer kit. <laughs> your soccer kit is fantastic well it's got me thinking what actually uh, has American Rugby got to offer now I don't know very much about it other than it's kind of big in San Francisco because of of, of Manoa, who I imagine I'm going to mention over and over again. But I do remember reading a story a few years ago. It's like a double spread in the Times, I think it was. And it was with Nigel Melville, who incidentally has emailed me this week in relation to some questions w- which I asked. And the reason I remember this story is because it mentioned a guy called Kevin John Roberts. Kevin Roberts is basically a very successful guy who has been in charge of Sarchi and Sarchi and some big firms. But one of his crowning glories, it seems to be, was, and it's mentioned in, in this article, is that when he was in charge of Pepsi, he wheeled on a Coke dis- uh, dispensing machine and then machine gunned it. <laughs> and that's who has been chairman of USA Rugby for the last two years. So they're spending some money getting in some, uh, some big guns, literally. Well, this guy is born in Lancaster, which I thought right. was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but 
seems to be a rugby fan and is a registered New Zealand citizen. So he, he must know his ex. Well, can I just say to our American listeners, and we do have some, we do have quite a few, in fact, and, and good on you for championing rugby. Can I just say, thank God your rugby is not one of the top few sports because the second the US, <laughs> the second the USA decides to go for it in rugby, and this probably goes for soccer as well, they'll, well, particularly rugby, they'll dominate because they've got Soccer's massive lo- yeah. men, massive men. Well, here's the thing, right? Everyone thinks it's going to be USA picking up NFL players or ex-college footballers to play the game. I don't think that this, that this is the case whatsoever. Do you not reckon? No. Like, p- players like, well, Carlin Isles isn't uh, running back, not, not NFL, but he was. He was on a practice squad for someone. He, and he was a uh, 100, 100 meter. And, and there's the Saracens guy, Hayden. Hayden Thomas. Hayden, yeah. no, not Hayden uh, Thomas. Hayden Smith, sorry. Hayden Smith. Hayden Smith. Hayden Smith. New but, York Jets, Saracens rugby player. But he uh, started, he was an Australian. So he's he's Australian born yeah. basketballer. Yeah, played college basketball in America, and that's when he got into rugby. Well, Phil has just nailed it. It isn't the basketball. Mer- you're yeah, saying. it's not the American footballers that we need to worry about. It's the basketball players. Dan Lyle. Dan Lyle played basketball. Dan Lyle. Well, that's that's the other thing I think of when I think of American rugby is Dan Lyle dominating from number eight for Ima- Bath. Imagine Dwight Howard turning his hand oh, to it. Imagine. I, I know he's not a American player, but. James Hudson didn't play rugby until he went to university and he played basketball well, at a really? good level. This is already yeah. kind of happening, right? Now, if you want to be a really good American footballer, my advice to you is do not play American football until you've played college basketball. So let me just read you out some names to see to show you how flexible and how awesome these athletes would be if they came to rugby. Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Jimmy Graham, Julius Thomas, Brandon Marshall... That means uh, nothing ju- to most people. Ju- ju- juice peppers. The, well, okay, that is a list of some of the greatest talent in American football, but it all came from basketball. Really? Right? Imagine fact. Yeah. <laughs> Im- if those guys start playing, then we've got a problem. We don't have a problem if Tom Brady p- uh, picks up a rugby ball. Not an issue. I would actually be able to outplay Peyton Manning playing rugby. <laughs> that isn't a problem. Watch out for basketball players. It's also worth noting there are a load of Americans playing abroad now. Uh, Cam Dolan, Sammy Minerva, Chris Wiles, Titi Lamu Satil. That's yeah, I think that's right. I think you said exactly how his mum would say it <laughs> yeah. to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hayden Smith, Blaine Scully, Pascal Dunn. Got and, some talent. Unfortunately, due, just purely due to the technicality of the fact that Phil was born and raised in England. Yes. Uh, we're not going to be able to have USA as Phil's club. Well. Partly as a result of your uh, brilliant um, report on USA rugby and your pitch, we do have a, an affinity with them. I, well, I think I think everyone in the world of rugby would will them to be successful because as soon as they're successful, then I don't know if I'm stereotyping, you can correct us if I'm wrong, uh, American listeners, but I, I like to get the feeling if, if America were anywhere near the best in the world, then suddenly they'd take a much greater interest well, than if they're not. watch out, because the All Blacks might get more than they bargained for. The All Blacks yes. are playing in Soldier Field this year against, uh, against a, a USA team. That's big. That's very wow. big. Happens to be that America did pretty well back in the day. They've won two Olympic gold medals at rugby. That was in like really? 1910. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and wasn't uh, it? 19, 1920, 1924. They're currently the reigning Fact. Olympic gold medalists. Because it's not been played since then. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's... Fact. That's outstanding. They've also got two uh, elite, I think, from what I can tell, two women's rugby world cups. Actual rugby world cups. And it seems to be... The American game took a bit of a dive when New Zealand came over and everyone thought they'd play an, play an experimental game and the New Zealand boys battered the, Amer- the Americans 
I think over 12 games by 600 odd points. So <laughs> when was that? Uh, that was like the 50s or no? That was actually prior to the two Olympic gold medals. Oh right, so but a lot of people say that is why. So New Zealand basically did kind of a rugby version of ethnic cleansing in America. They just wiped it out. Mm. <laughs> Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. So they recovered for the Olympics, but after that, uh, it wasn't really seen again until like till like the seventies. So when they go over this time, let's let's try not and wipe out American rugby, yeah, lads. Let's yeah, come on. Let's just try not to do that. Do, do it Harlem Globetrotter style. Just win in the last minute with some <laughs> spectacular play. Uh, oh, I also found found this. It's not particularly interesting uh, or relevant. Oh, Craig, you're selling it so far, Jay. <laughs> go on then. I can't wait for this. Uh, I put this under. I don't know why it's the future. But two members of the Penn State rugby team have been arrested for arson for burning down a soccer shed. I enjoyed that. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> burning down, down a soccer shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't know what a soccer shed is, but I'm glad it's burned. Oh, dearie me. So, I, th- I think what we've learned here is that we, we're willing USA to do well. We're taking a much more avid interest in USA rugby, and maybe we'll keep our eyes on, on what's going on. If anyone knows anyone at so- um, San Francisco Golden Gates, send us your fan application because. Yeah. Uh, there's a good chance. There's a good chance you might make it. We we wouldn't mind doing a podcast from there. Yeah, that sounds quite tempting, doesn't it? Or, doesn't it? or any other. Have they got any? Or Glendale Raptors. Do you yeah. reckon they've got any like uh, marketing budget there at San Francisco? Yeah. Golden Gates. Yeah, a couple of million uh, that they could just kind of throw <laughs> or, behind. You know, throw behind us. If USA Rugby want uh, you know a world-renowned rugby podcast to go to Soldier Field to uh, oh, to watch yes. the boys give it you know give their full support. Watch the boys. Let the boys play at Soldier Field. Exactly. We can but dream. Well, listen, Warren Mullis, keep fighting the good fight and uh, championing rugby in the States. Turn all your rugby pals onto the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast and we're definitely going to take more of an but interest But not your basketball pals. Strictly not <laughs> your basketball pals. <laughs> and we'll see you next Cheers. time at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.